you think about this, and you think about what we've been studying for the past five weeks. We've been looking at Romans 10, and we've been looking at a group of people, a church that didn't share the gospel for whatever reason. They just didn't feel like, or they shared a half gospel and not the whole gospel. You know, they, they probably thought they had a choice. They probably thought they had a choice that they could pick and choose what they wanted people to know about Jesus and about religion and about being in a relationship with God. You know, it's just like we have, we have choices in life. And you know what? Choices are not bad. But when it comes to the gospel, we need to share the whole truth. You know what I mean? When it comes to understanding who God is, the person and the work of Jesus, when it comes to understanding him, man, we need to tell the whole story. We don't need to just tell the stories that we feel like are good to us. You know what? And that back in Romans chapter 10, that's what, that's what they were doing. They weren't telling everybody everything. They were holding back some of the truth of the gospel. And they didn't want to share the things that may have been difficult or hard for them. And so they only told them so much. You know what? Ladies and gentlemen, and yes, this is a Jesus joke moment. We cannot pick and choose what we share about Jesus. We need everybody to know everything about who he is and what he's done for us. We need to share the whole gospel, not just parts of it. And so this is such, I mean, when we get into this passage here, we really need to help. I've been trying to create this context, this picture of what's going on in Romans. It actually starts in Romans 9 and goes all the way through 11. But 10 is really chock full of just great, amazing truth that we all need. To, and we've been discovering that for the past five weeks. And if you haven't been with us all five weeks, it's okay. No shame. We're going to wrap things up tonight. But I'm telling you, there, Paul is throwing some verbal daggers. Man, he is speaking some truth into the church that's missed it. He's throwing daggers even at us. Because in a lot of ways, we're guilty too. In some ways, we identify with the church at Rome. In a lot of ways, we, don't, we act the same way that they do. And we don't respond to the gospel like, you know, like we should. And Paul in Romans 10 is really just stirring this, this, this emotion. He's stirring up the people and just saying, hey, there's more to the gospel than what you're teaching. And you need to be teaching the whole gospel. And so he, in Romans 10, in the passage that we're looking at, in Romans 10, verses 18 through 21, Paul uses some Old Testament references. Like he, he's talking to this church in Rome, and he's going, hey, you, here's some passages that you know. These are passages that you should know. You teach these passages. And this ought to be a reminder to you. As I share these Old Testament passages, this ought to be a reminder to you that, hey, you need to be sharing the whole gospel. And you need to be sharing it with everybody, everywhere, any way you know how. And so let's look at Romans chapter 10. And let's see what Paul's talking about here, okay? Because in this passage, he mentions three different Old Testament passages. Actually, in all of Romans 10, he does 12 different passages. But we're going to zone in on these three, okay? So here we go. Romans chapter 10, verses 18 through 21. But I say... Surely they have never heard, have they? On the contrary, this is where he quotes a passage. It says, their voice has gone out into the wilderness and their words to the ends of the earth. That is Psalm 19.4 is what Paul is quoting there. Verse 19, he says, but I say, surely Israel did not know, did they? First, Moses says, okay, that's a key word right there, okay? 
Because that church knows who Moses is. They know that name. And then he quotes Deuteronomy 32, 21. And he says, I will make you jealous with those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will anger you. And then he quotes Isaiah, one of the most profound prophets, right? These people knew who Isaiah was. They knew who, uh, who, um, who was that uh, earlier? Moses was. Hello, I forgot that one. Who Moses was. They even quoted David in Psalm. These are all popular names of Old Testament passages that were very familiar to this church. And so he's quoting these verses. Verse 20, there is this, And Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But as for Israel, he says, I have spread out my hands all day long to a disobedient and obstinate people. Okay, so I'm going to unpack this because if, uh, if you're kind of reading this for face value, you see this passage, you're like, okay, there's a lot of just weird language here. There's a lot of weird sentences, and I don't quite understand it. But what Paul is doing is actually going back and saying, hey, I'm going to highlight a couple of three different people and three different things they said to help remind you of what's really important. I want to remind you that, one, the gospel goes everywhere. And he quotes Psalm 19, 4. And in the context of that verse, it's all about creation and how it proves the existence of God. That's what Psalm 19 says. And Paul uses this particular passage to point to what he said in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, that said all of creation will declare the goodness and the glory of God. If you want to see who God is, look into creation. And Paul is using this passage of Scripture to teach the Roman church and saying, hey, no, 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 no. Everybody hears the gospel. Everybody, even the Gentiles outside of your church, know who God is because they can look at creation and see it. Paul is illuminating this to them. All right? And then he goes on. He, he quotes Deuteronomy 32. This is Moses. The, Deut- Deuteronomy 32 is part of Moses' song. So it's like after the deliverance and after um, they've come through the promised land and are fixed to go to the promised land, he sings this song to God. And it's very popular to the Jewish culture. And he quotes this song. And in this song, he speaks of God and a part of uh, Israel's spiritual future. He's talking about their future in this song. And Paul is using the words of Moses to provoke this deep emotion in the church. Because Moses is a, a profound man in, in the church. He's profound to us too. We celebrate the Passover and Easter and all these things. Like, like it's all started with Moses. And so it, it is one of those very stirring things for him to use this name and to use this phrase. He's literally throwing verbal daggers at the church. And so we see him provoke that deep emotion. And he's implying that Israel is rejecting God's purposes. Wow, that's pretty strong. Paul's basically looking at the church and saying, you've rejected God. You didn't even know it. Look, look at what Moses said. This is what he's saying. And this is you. Wow. I mean, this is pretty bold, right? This is pretty bold of Paul to call out the people like this. And then in Isaiah 65, this is one that's really popular too. In the context of God is answering a prayer of Isaiah to return to rebellious Israel. And Paul, once again, is using a familiar passage to deal with Israel's inclusion of the Gentiles and his salvation purposes. So basically, it is Isaiah is saying, hey, 
all of Korea, everybody needs to know. All nations need to know who God is. Paul is looking at that Roman church and that, those, those Jews in that church and they're saying, you've missed it. You're not telling the whole gospel. You're not sharing all of it. You know, here's the thing. And this is where it kind of starts stepping on toes for all of us, right? As we start looking at this passage. They should have known. I was reading one commentator about this passage, and he highlighted a bunch of different things, of things they should have known that Paul highlighted in Romans 10. One, you should have known that righteousness comes by faith in Jesus Christ, not by righteousness of the law. Paul is saying you should have known that. You should have known that for someone to come into faith with Jesus Christ, they need to believe with their heart and to confess with their mouth. You should have known those things. You should have known that all of creation declares the glory of God. You should have known that Moses is talking about how uh, you could be rebellious. You could turn your heart from God and don't do that. He's calling out Isaiah and said, you should, you, sh- you should have known what Isaiah had to say about how rebellious and obstinate you were. You should have known. And I can't help but to think that those words of Paul really apply to us too. I can't help but to think that in our world and in our generation, there are a lot of us that don't believe the whole gospel. There's some of us in this generation where we miss it and we think, oh, they're too far gone or we've gotten to that place. We, we are like the Jewish church in Rome. We act like that. And we have that mindset, we have that thought, we have that heart. Oh yeah, we're good Christians, we're good people. We do good things, we go to church, we do all of those things. But there's some stuff that we're missing. Or we're not embracing all of what God would have for us and all that God has for the world. And so I want to kind of talk, spend the part of our time Not all of the time, but if you got the talk sheet there, you see how many points we got, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, Steve just went nuts. Uh, I don't have 20 minutes. I got 40. This is great. All right, so here we go. How are we like the Jews who neglect the call to share the gospel with as many people as we can? How are we like them? Number one, we're like them in that sometimes we are spiritually arrogant. Spiritual arrogance. Here's the thing, proud people don't share the gospel. If you're finding yourself proud or puffed up in your heart about, oh, I'm a Christian, proud people don't share the gospel. That's a sense of arrogance. That's too beneath me. I don't share the gospel because somebody else will do it. That, a lot of people believe that. A lot of people in our churches, maybe even some of you, you believe that. Oh, I know somebody else will do it. Steve will do it. He'll be all right. Steve will, Steve will share the gospel. That's okay. And a lot of us have that mentality. Here's the truth. James 4, 6 and 7 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Satan loves arrogant Christians. 
loves them. Proverbs 28, 25 says this, An arrogant person stirs up strife, but one who trusts in the Lord will prosper. The people of that Jewish church in Rome, they, they were spiritually arrogant. And they didn't, they're really proud about their religion. But they weren't willing to really embrace the gospel and the mission of the gospel. Number two, spiritual arrogance. That's a big one. This one, it gets bigger too. Number two, spiritual blindness. They just didn't see God at work around them. They just missed it. They were blind to the reality of what Jesus had done for them through salvation. They were blind to the reality of what the power of the gospel could do in other people's lives if I simply share it. They were blind to it. They got to that place where they had blinders on like this and they didn't see all that God could do and is doing around them and through them. Are you finding yourself spiritually blind? Are you not seeing the work of God around you? Because here's the reality, God is always at work. God doesn't stop working. He is always working. He's always around you. If only you would take the spiritual blinders off and look intently into who Christ is, one working in you, but also working around you. Wow. Wow. Number three, spiritual arrogance, spiritual blindness, spiritual silence. We've talked about this a lot over the past five weeks. We've said this just about every week. The silence is not an option. The Roman church, they were silent. They were very content with who they were, what they were doing, how they were practicing their religion. And Paul is calling it out in them and saying, no, 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 no. You're missing it. Everybody everywhere needs to hear the gospel. You're only sharing it to so many people. You're not spreading the gospel as Jesus would command us in Matthew 28. And so Paul is reminding the believers here, spiritual silence. Are you scared to open your mouth? Are you scared in your own heart, in your own life? To simply say the name Jesus where you don't know if it will come back positive or negative? Are you scared to, as the lesson for past Sunday was, are you scared to sow the seed? You have the seed of the gospel in your heart, but for whatever reason, you're, you're silent, letting fear hold you back. Maybe you're letting your own anxieties, maybe your own story, you don't think you're worthy enough. Well, why in the world would I want to share it if I'm not worthy enough? Let the seed do what the seed does. You just throw it. Can you imagine if you just threw the seed, if you just shared the gospel, if you just opened your mouth one time and just let the seed fly of the gospel and let the seed do the work. Let Jesus do the work in the hearts and lives of the people around you. Ephesians 6, 19, this is Paul, this is his, this is, and pray in my behalf that speech may be given to me 
in the opening of my mouth to make known the boldness, the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Can you pray that prayer yourself? Can you get to the place where you could honestly sit with the Lord and pray, God, give me the boldness of speech. God, I want to open my mouth so that people would know the Savior that I know so well. I love them. I care for them. I want them to hear the message of the gospel. I want them to know what Jesus, oh gosh, I'm going to start. I want them to know what Jesus had done for me. Think about your sin. Think about your separation. Think about where you have been. Sinful, woe is you before you knew the Lord. Think about the hell that you were destined for if it weren't for the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for you. Think about where you've come from and then begin to identify with the people around you. Think about those people who are lost that do not know Jesus and how they must feel because you felt that way at some point. And how amazing would it be that we would just simply, hey, I got got to ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? Can I tell you a story? That's all it takes and you're throwing seed. But you have to open your mouth. Use the vocalizer that God gave you and let it come on out. And you'll be surprised what will happen on the other side of that. I'll keep going. I'm meddling. Number four. So we have spiritual arrogance, spiritual blindness, spiritual silence, and number four, Spiritual apathy. Apathy, let me just define that word for you. It simply means, I don't care. I don't care about the church. I don't care to read my Bible. I don't care about the lost. I got mine. I'm good. If that is your mentality, you fit in that category of apathetic. I believe the Roman church was stuck in deep apathy. And it's not just the Roman church that even Paul's calling it out in here, but Jesus calls it out in the Laodicean church in Revelation. And Jesus saw their apathy. And said, it can't be. You just can't be apathetic about the gospel. You can't be apathetic about who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Revelation 3.15. This is pretty long. Stick with me. You'll hear it. I know your deeds. That you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are what? Lukewarm. You know what that means, right? You ever had a drink of lukewarm water? (laughs) It just feels weird, right? Swishing around your mouth. It's like, okay, I want this to be cold, right? (laughs) Or, hey, I want it to be like hot tea. You know, I want that. 
So because you're lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I vomit you out of my mouth. What does that say that God thinks about your lukewarm faith? Because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have no need of anything, and you don't know that you are wretched, miserable, blind, and naked, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich. And he's not talking about a wealthy rich. He's talking about spiritual rich. And white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And, the, and I, and I saw, uh, whatever that word is, to apply to your eyes so that you may not see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And anyone hears my voice and opens the door. Hey, Jesus. I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. The one who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat on my father, sat with my father on his throne. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I don't know about you, but if you ever wanted to know what Jesus thought about your apathy, pretty sure the Bible just told you. And if you had your own preconceived idea of what that, what your, what your spiritual life was like, and if you would categorize yourself as maybe apathetic, maybe hear the word of Jesus. He says, I want you to be hot. I need you to be on fire. I need you to be lit. Hey, that was me. I said that. I used a word that you use. This is good. I'm identifying with Gen Z. Like, hey, um, Jesus is saying, be lit. And when you are lit, you get to sit on the same seat that I'm sitting on with Jesus, with God. You get to spend eternity in heaven in deep relationship with me. That when you knock on the door, come on in. That's what it means. To live a life on fire for God. Paul in Romans 10 is calling out their apathy and saying, "Ah, you're missing it. You're being rebellious. You're you're missing the moment. You're missing the point. And I think a lot of ways we, and I'm pointing at me, we look a lot like the Jewish-Roman church. Sometimes we're arrogant. Sometimes we're blind. We're silent. And we're apathetic. But I got some good news for you. You ready? You ready for this? So how are we not like? How can we not be like the Roman Jewish church? You ready? It's summed up in one word. Move. Hey, move. How can you not be like the church that was apathetic? Move. How can you not be like the church that was silent? Move. How can you not be so arrogant? Move. Your feet 
Let your feet do the walking. That's what I'm going to do. You're like, hey, like these things need to start walking. You need to start moving. Your mouth needs to start moving. There needs to be a movement about your life. And not sitting stagnant. If you're finding yourself, oh, please hear my words. Please hear my words. If you're finding yourself stagnant in your relationship with the Lord, don't blame it on a pandemic. It's you. It's your relationship with the Lord. Hear that. All it takes is for you to move. Quit sitting still with your faith. Just see what God will do on the other side of one step. Just see what he'll do. And when you walk in obedience to him, just see what he'll do. Man, take another step with Jesus. Just see what he does. Oh my gosh. What a blessing it would be if a group of students would just simply move. That you would get off your lazy rear end spiritually speaking, and start moving. Thinking about the people around you, caring for them, loving them the way that Jesus would want you to love them. That you would encourage and love and serve those around you, moving. You would do those things in your heart and your life and walk in obedience to God's Word. Take a moment every day, get in His Word. Take a moment, say a prayer. Say a prayer for a bunch of people. It doesn't take much, but all you have to do is move. Take a step. Blessed are the feet that move. How beautiful are the feet that bring the good news. That's movement, ladies and gentlemen. If there's ever an encouragement, if there's ever good news, forget the past. Maybe your shame Maybe the sin that's been holding you back, forget that stuff. Just start moving forward. Just see what happens if you take a step forward. Those things of the past grow strangely dim in the light of the beauty and glory of God. As I start taking steps, forgetting what's behind. Taking steps forward, forgetting what's behind. Don't let this junk back here, the mistakes of the past, hold you back from taking the steps forward in Jesus' name. Caleb, you're getting me fired up, bro. I'm telling you, this is such a good news for us. Do you have a blind spot? If you're a driver, right? If you're a driver, you know what a blind spot is, right? I have a picture, all right? Uh, <laughs> Sydney. Sydney just said the whole thing's a blind spot, right? <laughs> so a blind spot on a car, right, is that spot where as you're driving forward, you have the rearview mirror, and then you have the side mirror. There's a spot back there. It's called a blind spot, right? A car can be sitting in that spot, and you try to change lanes, and you get, you know what I mean? Uh, how many of you have been there? Yep, I did it the other night. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> merging on the interstate, and there was a car right there. Did not see them. And I went, woohoo. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, really, it is, blind spots are a real deal. The true definition of a blind spot is, an obstructed view. An obstructed view. Now here's, here's what I mean by this. Is this, this. Here's the spiritual truth here. We all have blind spots. All of us. Nobody in this room is perfect. Nobody gets it right every single time. We have blind spots. Sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we miss a moment. Sometimes we miss an opportunity. Sometimes we miss a person. We all have blind spots. 
But what God wants to do is to fill in your blind spots. He wants to come in with you and serve along with you and encourage you and be the, the, the motor that you need, to be the power that you need to be able to take steps in faith. We all need people in our lives that would reveal the blind spots in our life such that we can best serve Jesus, so that we can best serve the Lord and what he would have to do, how we can best share the gospel. We need to have people in our lives that would reveal blind spots. Here's what I believe about this message tonight. I believe that the Lord has asked me to call out some blind spots in you. Lovingly. Compassionately. Empathetically. Those four truths that we just talked about could be a blind spot for you. And we need to have people in our lives that simply care enough and love us enough to tell us when we miss it. And I believe this is one of those moments for us as a ministry and for us as individuals just to think, what's a blind spot for me? And here's what I want you to do. On your talk sheet, I want you to think about your relationship with the Lord, your faith and how you live out your faith. What are, what is one of your blind spots? Write it right there next to the picture. Maybe about 30 seconds. Write it right there next to the picture. What is one of your blind spots? I want you to ask yourself this question, the final thought. Ask yourself this question. Why am I not passionate for the gospel? Why am I not passionate for the gospel? I think that's a great question we need to ask ourselves every day. Is it because of fear? Is it because I'm, I'm not worthy? Because I don't believe it? You probably have your own reasons why you're not passionate for the gospel. But I think it's a deep question we need to ask ourselves. So I want to take the final moments that I have with you. And I want to share you seven different things on how we can take this five-week message series move. And I'm really going to go through these pretty quick, all right? So you need to hold on tight, but I'm trying to wrap up. How can we move from this series? What does that look like moving forward? <laughs> you see what I did there? Moving forward in the next day or the next moment that's in front of us, how can we best move? Here we go. Number one, start a prayer journal. Oh, wait, no, no, no I'm sorry. That's number three. Number one, learn to share the gospel. Learn to share the gospel. I have this vision. I have this hope that we would see over 100 high school students who are equipped on how to share the gospel at any given point using any one of these. Some of you are like, I'm not, I don't know how to share the gospel. Well, guess what? We're going to provide different opportunities for you over the next months where you could learn a way to share the gospel. Maybe you could equip yourself on how to share the gospel. There's this thing called Google. It's amazing. Uh, you could actually learn some things there. You could actually, you know, the Life in Six Words app, I encourage you to do that last week. You can use that. There's so many different ways that you can learn how to share the gospel. Or you could just come up to me and I'll teach you. You ask any one of our staff, any one of our life group leaders, and they'll teach you on how to share the gospel. Ask Tom Ball. That man right there knows how to share the gospel. And it, he's sitting right over there. That man right there is a walking testimony-sharing, gospel-sharing man. Everything that he does in his life is about sharing the gospel. And if you want to learn how to share the gospel, see him. He'll teach you. Or go to his breakout session at Catalyst. 
and you could uh, learn more about it then. Number two, sign up for Catalyst. Oh, wait, that's in there? Oh, yeah. Sign up for Catalyst. That was a little, that was a little plug. If you haven't signed up for Catalyst, this nice merch shirt that I'm wearing right here, you can buy this. This is really great. All right, number three, start a prayer journal. How are you praying for the lost? That prayer journal doesn't have to be this, like, just a page. Write a couple people, uh, people's names down of people that you're praying for in your life. That'll help you. That was one of the things we talked about. Paul mentioned that in the verse one, how I earnestly pray for you that you would know the gospel. Number four, fight apathy with everything you got. Fight apathy with everything you got. Refuse it. Reject it. Call it out in yourself. Have somebody call it out in you. Fight it with everything you got. I think I said enough there. Number five, start talking about Jesus in the places where you go. Jeff, you can come on up. Start talking about Jesus in the places where you go. When we live out our faith, it means that we are not ashamed to be able to speak his name and to encourage someone with the gospel at any given point. Start talking about Jesus in the place you go. Number six, get in a group. Get in a group, y'all. When you get in a group of people who love Jesus just like you, you start praying for one another. You start encouraging one another. You start sharing the gospel with each other. You, you start learning God's word. And you, your apathy begins to move into a fresh way. So move into a group. <laughs> I should change that, move into a group. And number seven, and this one's pretty bold. You ready? Number seven, plan an intentional moment to share the gospel with someone. In other words, schedule it. If there's a lost person in your life, as if there's a lost family member in your life, say, hey, can, can I go to coffee? with you and order the most expensive Starbucks drink ever or maybe just a white chocolate mocha I think it'll be the best four dollars you ever spend on a drink unless you get the venti then it's eight it'll be the best eight dollars you ever had and you literally schedule that appointment can I take you to Sonic I have something I want to share with you if you buy them Starbucks they'll most likely listen to you whatever you have to say I mean, if you bought my Starbucks, I would listen to whatever you would have to say. So plan an intentional moment to share the gospel.